In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Listening to the gospel just now, it was a bit like uh, writing those essay questions on a high school history exam. You know, you rush home and look it up. I think, oh, I should have talked about... Well, we'll get it next time. Good morning. I wonder how many of us have had this experience. It's Friday evening, and everyone in the family has had a long week of school or work, and now they all want to have, do something fun to blow off steam. The spouse or significant other wants to order pizza and catch up on the latest binge-worthy Netflix series. The kids want to go out and run around with their friends and play in the leaves that are starting to gather in all the yards in the neighborhood, and then when it gets dark, they want to sit in their rooms and play video games or talk to their friends on the phone, assuming teenagers still do that. But you have a pretty good idea yourself of all the million and one things that need to get done. Those leaves that the kids and grandkids are playing in need to be raked up so it's not a huge job when they're all on the ground in a couple of weeks. The garbage cans need to be brought back from the curb where they've been laying since trash day. The dog needs to be taken to the park to run off some energy so he doesn't tear up the couch later, and countless other tasks and chores are always getting put off. So what do you do? You decide to call the family together and give them a speech about all of us needing to pitch in and do the work that helps us to lead a happy and productive life. Everyone agrees. Oh, yes, they say. These things all need to be done before all the work gets out of hand and overwhelming. But it's Friday, and we want to have fun. We promise to help tomorrow morning if you'll just let us do our own thing tonight. Not having a whole lot of energy left, you agree. After all, you worked hard every week, all week, just like everyone else, and so the family scatters to the four winds to enjoy themselves and relax, and soon enough, it's time for bed. You wake up in the morning and emerge from your room dressed in your work clothes and ready for a productive day, only to find one of the kids is still sleeping, The other is watching TV and eating cereal from the box. The spouse is sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee and reading the paper and claims, somehow, to have forgotten the promised plan for getting so much done. Was that supposed to be today, they all ask? We made plans to do other things. Now you might well ask, what has all of this to do with this morning's readings from the Gospel? We heard from the Methian author about rendering unto Caesar those things which are Caesar and unto God's those things which are rightly his. Most of us are pretty clear on things like paying taxes on our income and property taxes if we own homes or the parking stickers for our cars if we live in a municipality that requires them. Those are our own 21st century version of rendering unto Caesar. But what about rendering unto God those things which are rightfully God's, and how do we even sort out what those things are? If you were here a few weeks ago, you might remember me talking about the fact that God doesn't really need us. He doesn't want nor directly need our money. What for? There's nothing he needs to buy, and I'm fairly certain no one is making him pay a mortgage for the use of heaven. Even when I was little, I had a hard time imagining that God needed to eat, so he likely doesn't need our groceries or the produce from the garden. So if God doesn't need food, 
or money or a home or a library card, then how exactly are we supposed to render unto God those things which are God's? In an article on Matthew that I thumbed through while writing my sermon yesterday, theologian and biblical scholar Alejandro Duarte writes that discipleship involves listening to and following him. This is what will ensure that the church withstands this crisis, which, according to Matthew, is part and parcel of the reality of Christian life. It shows greatness when it is at the service of the weakest, he writes. This service is testimony to others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That last part about our service being testimony is also from Matthew and ties in directly with our lectionary readings this morning. If we think about a passage from further along in the Gospel, chapter 25 to be specific, all of this starts to come together. Matthew 25 gives us a list of what are called the corporal works of mercy. Sound familiar? Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Clothe the naked. Give shelter to travelers. Visit the sick. Visit the prisoner. House the homeless. Bury the dead. As I was reading that list and preparing my sermon, I was struck by the fact that there are two important aspects to these things that God asks of us and that we, in turn, render unto him. The first is that these are the absolute basic requirements of Christian community. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't tell us these things to do these things and only these things. They're only a starting point for our service to God through each other. The other most important thing to remember about the corporal works of mercy is that we are meant to get off our backsides and do these things ourselves. <clears throat> I mentioned taxes earlier. We wouldn't dream of going to our neighbor's house and insisting that he or she pays our property taxes for us or that they bear the cost of the registration sticker that we put on our cars. When it comes to rendering unto Caesar, or in our day and age, unto the city and county and federal government, we have to do these things ourselves. They're our responsibility as Christians. And so it is with those things which we owe to God. The author of our Gospel of Matthew this morning doesn't relate the words of Jesus as render unto God those things which are God's, but only if you can get someone else to do it. Otherwise, don't bother because it's probably a pain in the neck and you have other things you'd rather do anyway. I believe that's the King James Version. Those things we are meant to do in order to love and serve God by loving and serving each other aren't a laundry list that we're meant to give other people to complete. When we pray for healing for a family member or comfort when someone is grieving the loss of a friend, we don't ask God to help us unless he has something better to do. The point I've been trying so hard to make this morning is that we serve God and render unto him those things which are his, is to do what he asks and, excuse me, do what he asks us to do and not to, to delegate those things to others and hope they happen. How many times have you been driving through Rockford and you've seen a person who is homeless or sick or suffering from mental illness and you think, I really wish someone would do something to help them? My friends, that's not how the will of God for his people gets done. 
In fact, that's how God's will for his creation frequently goes undone. God entrusts his work to us, and we entrust it to someone else, or perhaps, more accurately, we pass the buck to someone else because we don't have the time or the energy, or we just can't be bothered. Why do we expect our clergy to do everything for us? Why do we think that our civic leaders need to take care of those who are homeless or addicted? Why do we see the single mother struggling for childcare but satisfy ourselves with the notion that some program somewhere will meet her need when, in fact, we are the ones God has asked to love and serve? The Red Cross and Doctors Without Borders weren't founded on the philosophy that the suffering of God's people is someone else's problem. Why should we assume that all the world's needs for food and shelter and companionship and love and healing are someone else's concern? God gives us tasks to do to serve others just as he gives them to our clergy and teachers and social workers. We are instructed by God. We are commanded and we are called. Imagine if every single one of us carried out the work that God asks us to do. After all, when the time comes and we need help and love and service and compassion, we may well be left out in the cold while everyone else does what God asked us to do. May God bless you and hold you in the palm of his hand in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.